Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently, with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, today's guest, Lisa Simone Richards, is a PR and visibility strategist for online coaches who want to get seen everywhere without spinning out on social media or wasting money on Facebook ads. We've all been there. I think we could all use a little of this time and money saving visibility strategies. So let's dive in. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And this will be such a fun conversation. Yes, let's do a quick intro to you and your business to start off. Yeah, really briefly, what I love helping online business owners do is leverage other people's platforms. And what I mean by that is there is somebody out there who has your ideal client hanging out in one space, whether that's listening to a podcast, attending a conference, watching a television show, even hanging out in a Facebook group. So I help my clients figure out where's my ideal client hanging out? Who do I need to know to get access? And how do I show up with so much value that that gatekeeper, the person who could say, yes, you can come on my podcast or on my TV show. How do I get so much value that they're going to say yes to me? So really, I'm a publicist helping my clients get on television, magazines, websites, podcasts, stages, you name it. But ways that they can get earned media, which is not paying for that kind of access and also really developing their expert status while they're at it. Are we just really reallocating the time that we were spending on social to equally time-consuming PR visibility strategies? So here's where I'm going to call that apples versus oranges, because there is somewhere I think a lot of online business owners and entrepreneurs are getting super mixed up. There's a distinction between content and visibility. So content is what we're creating on social media. It's for the people who are already following us. It nurtures them. It builds that know, like, and trust factor. Putting a post on Instagram stories today is not going to bring new clients to follow you. Doing an Instagram static post and using hashtag online business coach is not going to land you in the search platform or have people landing on your page. So when you're doing content, it's nurturing the people who are already in front of you. When you're sending emails to your list, it's people who are already in front of you. The difference is we also need to focus on visibility. I was actually just talking to someone this morning and she has an email list of 200 people. And she was like, Lisa, I'm just marketing to the same 200 people. I'm not getting more sales. I'm like, right, because we're not growing that. So visibility is all about how do I get in front of new uh, new people, new spaces. So, you know, things that we're already doing, let's say, you know, you're doing Instagram stories. Why not go and do an Instagram live on somebody else's feed so now you're getting in front of their audience? Do you go live in your Insta- on your Facebook group regularly? Why not do a live in someone else's group? Do you have a course and you're doing weekly sessions with your members? What if you did a guest training for 60 minutes in somebody else's mastermind? So how can we take the things we're already doing, but use it to reach new people and bring them into our world? And now this is where the content that we're doing on social media that you talked about earlier, this this is where it comes into play to nurture those followers or who are coming in. So you've got to make sure you're doing both. If it's just content to the same people over and over again, no surprise, things are going to be stagnant Stagnant when it comes to your sales. I think another place that the content on your social media is really important is that's the first thing I check when someone pitches me to be on my podcast. I don't go to their websites. I don't go look at any of that. First place I go is what are they talking about on a regular basis and how regularly are they talking about the topic that they just pitched me on? 
yeah, you have to really be aware of how people are consuming content. So it's definitely not to say don't do social. Like how powerful is it that we own our own platforms and we can control the content and the conversation when we post it, how we do it. Something really great that I learned from a coach that I work with is she's like, anytime I land on an Instagram profile, can I see who you've worked with, what you do for people, the result that they get, and how I can get in touch with you or how I can work with you. Those are the litmus tests that she puts out there. But again, we're doing content for the people who are following us. So let's also make a point of taking the same stuff. We don't even need to recreate the wheel, but just making sure we're extending to other platforms. But yeah, I think about how we do use social. Guess how I found my latest hairstylist? Like, guess how I found a lot of vendors for my wedding? Like, totally on Instagram. So it's certainly not to say you shouldn't be in control of your platform. And just like you said, anytime you're pitching someone to be on a podcast, to be on a television show, they're going to vet you. They are going to creep you. One of my clients didn't have a profile at all. And now she's got a LinkedIn profile because she's got to send people somewhere they need to know about her. So maybe you don't have a website yet, but how amazing is it that you can just create a three by three grid and a handful of days or even hours if you want to and have a platform already sharing who you are? Yeah, I think it also plays into the reciprocity, right? I want to be on your platform and I'm prepared to promote that for you in some way. Like, I'm going to share this with my people. Sure, that can be an email list, but you usually don't have any visibility over somebody else's email list, right? If they then don't have any form of social media, you start thinking, well, I get what you're getting out of this, but what's in it for me, right? I think that's, we think about the what's in it for me when we think about clients a lot of the time, but I get some really interesting pitches for the podcast that are very all about what's in it for the person pitching very little but like why I should be interested I am so obsessed with the fact that you're talking about what I call WIIFM what's in it for me everyone's tuned into that radio station and one of the things that I suggest for people who are writing pitches to make sure they pass that WIIFM test is when you're sending a pitch to someone if you're emailing Diane Allison to come on the podcast when you finish writing that pitch before you hit send, scroll through the left margin of the page. How many of those paragraphs begin with I, me, or my? That means you're making it all about you. So what I encourage you to do is you could take the same content and change it from I would love to come on your podcast and talk about to your listeners are really interested in learning how to and here's how I could serve them with that. It's such a simple switch, but it makes such a big difference because, I mean, I'm just doing my podcast. I can't imagine how many pitches, I don't know, the editors at Forbes or uh, Entrepreneur or whatever must get landing in their inbox. Hundreds a day. So that ability to just do something slightly different, I think, to stand out makes a huge difference. What are your go-to beyond make it about the person that you're actually talking to? What are your go-to pitching rules? Ooh, I have my seven pillars of the perfect pitch. So this is a test to see if I can run through them by memory. So have you ever gotten an email and it opens up with just like a novel of text about like, here's who I am. Here's why I went to school. These are my degrees. This is where I was born. Let's never do that. So pillar number one is you want to do a really quick introduction. It could look like something as simple as, hi, my name's Lisa Smith Richards. I'm a PR and visibility strategist and I work with online coaches who want to get seen everywhere. In one sentence, you know who I am, who I serve, the result that I create. Pro tip, hyperlink your name to your website or your Instagram account so somebody doesn't have to go out of their way to creep you. They just click. So you want to give someone context. Who are you? What do you do? One person I knew worked at a company as a customer service representative and their title was Queen of Hearts. Like, what would it mean to you if I was like, hi, Diana, the Queen of Hearts? Like, make it understandable. So number one. 
quick introduction. The second thing you want to do is, this is what I call the power of paragraph two. This is where you want to showcase familiarity. How many people are sending those copy and paste pitches that anyone can tell 20 different people just got? So do your due diligence and some research. Hey, Diane, I've been listening to the show for X amount of episodes. I actually really like episodes Y and Z. These were two things that I learned from them, or this is how it related to my business. Show that you have some familiarity with the show and the kind of content that they do there. You want to make sure you're paying attention. Does this show take take guests? A lot of podcasts are silvercast, and how embarrassing does it look for you if you reached out to somebody and they were like, I never interview people. You've obviously never listened to my show. So second thing you want to do is make sure you're showcasing familiarity and you want to create a little bit of reciprocity as well. I liked when you did X, Y, Z. I saw this on your Instagram account. Let's show that we're paying attention to the person. I'm going to get these a little bit out of order. I'm going to stop putting numbers to them. I'm quietly chuckling at the like show some familiarity because the pictures that make me laugh the hardest are I showcase women on my platform. I'm 155 episodes in at the time of this recording and I have allowed one male guest. And that's somebody who I've been friends with for years. The number of pitches that I get for men who want to talk to me about cryptocurrency. A really fun rule of podcast pitching. So I'm a publicist. Traditionally, I will. I was just on the phone with a client and I'm going to be pitching her for TV. I will never, ever pitch my clients for a podcast. I will be your fairy godmother in the background and I will write it for you. But you're sending it from your inbox because podcast hosts don't like a middleman. They don't like that third party. All of a sudden, their platform that they've put their heart and soul into is being perceived as a commodity to someone else to get a free advertisement. So never, ever have a public. If you're like maybe going on Lewis House or Marie Forleo or like one of those huge shows, maybe a publicist is fine there. But otherwise, that never flies. And you, you can see them coming a oh, mile yeah. away. And it's the familiarity section that is actually the most icky. We're a huge fan of your show. He just listened to X, Y, Z. Like, no, no, he didn't. He, he wouldn't have cared at all about that topic. I'm even less interested in, in mm -hmm. engaging in this pitch now. And here's what I'm willing to guess. You're not even going to bother probably reading the rest of that. You're probably not going to bother hitting reply to it. That's just a straight delete. Yep. As You're are busy. All the, as are all the follow-ups that they send to Chase. Of course. Right? Yeah. 100%. So this is why we do it in a specific order, in a specific way. So once we've showcased familiarity, this is where we now get to be of value and speak into what's going to be helpful for the listeners. You can go into, here's what I, the way I would frame it is maybe, you know, the listeners of your show want to be able to X, Y, Z, and here's how I can support that mission. All you have to do is read someone's podcast description to understand what is the purpose and the value and the mission of the show. And now you can reflect that in the pitch that you're making. Because the host doesn't care about giving you a free advertisement. They want to satisfy their listeners, their audience. So show that you are in alignment with them. And this is where I break down the idea for someone. You know, your listeners want to be able to get more visibility without necessarily spending on social media all day. I would love to show them the power of publicity. And at the end of the episode, they're going to walk away knowing how to one, two and three. So I already paint the picture. Here's what I'd love to be able to talk about. And here's what your audience is going to know at the end of an episode. And I always put that in bullet point form because you know why? If someone's getting that email on their phone and they're in line at the grocery store and they see an overwhelming block of text, they're not going to go through it. So white space matters. Use bullet points. It's easier for people to skim because you have said the word skim a few times in this conversation. So you got to pay attention to how people are consuming content. 
Yeah, I think it's really difficult to receive multiple pitches and you open them up and very often it is like, here's an essay that mm-hmm. I've written to you. And chances are what happens is even if I thought you were going to be a good guest, I've gone, I don't have time to read that right now. I've left it in my inbox and then it's just gone to the great inbox in the sky where it's never, ever going to get read ever again. So yes, bullet points are your friend. Bullet points are totally your friend. Are they your friend as well for all types of PR? I know we keep referring to podcasts because obviously I'm a podcast host and that's my experience on the other side of pitching. But would you, you would use these rules if you were pitching an editor, TV? Yeah, it's easy for people to consume content and I'm all about how can I paint the picture for somebody. So if I was pitching a television producer, I'd be like in a four or a six minute segment, here's what we would cover because I know that they have a certain amount of time to fill. If I can paint out, you know, In minutes one through two, we're going to talk about three exercises to do. Minutes four and five, we're going to have the host jump in and do it because they got to keep it engaging. It's got to be visual. Maybe we're going to have a table layout, but I'm talking them through what it might look like. If I'm pitching an article, I maybe will lean more into the takeaways at the end of the article. I'm not going to tell them how to structure it because I have someone on their team who's going to be doing the writing. But again, painting that picture of what's in it for the audience, what's in it for the audience, how are they going to leave richer than they came at the end of this? Not, hey, I have a course and this is what I'm launching. Can I come on your show and talk (laughs) about it? Like, nobody, come on, you can pay Facebook ads for that. What do you do about rejection? Because I think a lot (laughs) of people don't pitch because they fear the no. Like, they assume they're going to get a rejection and then that's going to say a whole bunch of things for them. What can people do before they pitch or when they get that rejection to just kind of like be like, hey, this is not the end of the world? Yeah, you know what? I wish I could sugarcoat it for you. Get ready for it. Get used to it. I I literally, I don't have anything more loving and braid your hair about it for anyone. I've been doing this for 20 years and I get no's way more than I get yeses. And I got some numbers I can share with all y'all. So one of my goals for 2022 is to book 10 podcast interviews every single month. Do you think I just write to 10 and I get 10 yeses? Because that is not the case. So in January, I sent 50 podcast pitches. And guess how many yeses I get? I got. Throw a number at me. Go for it. 25. 12. Of 50. Wow. And I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm good at this, if I may say so myself. So the 50 outreaches that I sent, I got 12 yeses. And that means I got 38 no's. 38 people who either wrote back to me and point blank said no, or 38 people who never wrote back to me at all. I got 12 yeses. I talked to 12 awesome people. I have grown my network. I have hopefully shared some positive information that's going to help 12 different audiences. And those hosts might become like joint venture partners. We can do webinars together. I might go live in their Facebook group or their Instagram. Like maybe I'll meet them the next time I travel to their hometown. So I got 12 yeses and 38 no's. And you know what? At the end of the year, that's going to amount to over 100 shows. Like who cares about the no's? You're not going to be for everyone and that is perfectly okay. But let's focus on the value of what is the power of those 12 yeses. So in case you're worried about rejection, hey, guys, I've been doing this for 20 years and I get rejected all the time. Focus on the power of the people who've said yes. That's I mean, when we think about dating, how many people did we reject before we ended up with a partner? If we found our partner by now, it took me 37 years to find mine. Know how much rejection was in that for me? But I'm glad I'm with them now. So I'm glad I went through it. So definitely it's just going to be a mindset shift. It's not going to be yeses all the time. No sunshine and roses about it. Yeah, I think also that first no is just, it's just the hardest one and you just have to get it, right? And and then once it's out of the way, think about that first yes. How's that going to feel? Right. And it's so not 
personal. And I know that that's really easy to say to somebody who's like, this feels really personal. And I was like that. I was, you know, super invested in like what it meant about me if somebody said yes or no to my pitch until I got onto the other side of a pitch and was like, well, I can't do that because I've literally just had an episode on that that's coming up, you know, that the person didn't know about. Or I just decided I wasn't batching for three months because I had enough episodes or whatever. And you realize that actually it's very little to do with the person and just whether that thing fits the show at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. Yep, It's not personal. I always think about that. How many shows have I pitched? And I heard nothing. And I always make a point of following up a week later. And someone would be like, oh, my gosh, I was in the middle of a launch. I'm so sorry. Oh, this ended up in my junk box and in my spam. So always just start with that mentality of not it's not about me. I mean, honestly, kind of when you think about it, how narcissistic is that? Like, how many <laughs> other things do people have going on in the world? It's not always about you. This has totally been the cuddles and love episode for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's when, like, you know, like if people use like bad language in a podcast, like you can put like an explicit warning on it. I yeah. feel this one needs to be the like tough love coming up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so funny. I'm just so to the point. But hey, let's get the results. So yeah, that's the, and I think that it's just so much more valuable to be honest with people about what they can expect. And again, so we got back to January. So I got 38 news. But how cool is it that I've got 12 new amazing friends that I can collaborate with and support? Yeah. And who knows how many people are in their audience that you like the compounding effect of those 12 people do you, is do massive. You are you available for a little bit of math? So this is kind of fun to think about when we're considering the rejection and how hurt our feelings might be if someone hits delete or says no to our pitch. So Lisa's goal is to book 10 podcast interviews every month. So over the course of a year, that means 10 interviews times 12 months means 120 podcasts. Typically at the end of a podcast, the host says, where can our audience find you? And you can share a link to Lead Magnet. So let's say I had 10 people opt into my Lead Magnet from every show. Really, I'd love to see like 30 to 50, but let's just say 10. Let's be super conservative. That is 1,200 leads I've added to my email list at the end of the year. Now, keep in mind, if you're someone who does Facebook ads, my current Facebook ad cost is either 6 or $7 per lead, so I'm just saving myself $7,000. Going back to these 1,200 people who've been added to the email list, um, your typical email conversion rate is going to be 2%. So from 1,200 people on my email list that have come just from podcasting, not the other activities I do throughout the year, that is going to equate to an approximate 24 new clients in my business. My flagship program, $6,000. So convert that number to a healthy multi-six-figure profit at the end of the year, just from doing that one strategy. So making it easy for everyone listening to this program, what is the value of what you offer? Multiply that by 24 and then ask yourself, are you willing to let hurt feelings get in the way of hitting that number? Oh, that is so powerful. There Even I just had a moment of like, oh, I need, to, I need to do more podcasts. I need to do more podcasts. <laughs> right? But like when you put it down into those numbers, all of a sudden, like, it's so funny. I have a sticky note on my fridge that says, take the emotion out of it. And then I think if we continue the math, so you booked like, say, 10 a month, but say you pitched 50 just to keep the numbers super easy knowing that how many people like work it backwards this is how much money that's how many people that's two percent that's how many people i need to opt in that's how many shows i need to be pitching to get that. booked right i think a lot of people think about that math in terms of launching like how many people need to find me on social media to land on my landing page but actually you can control this strategy 100 percent. you can pitch 10 more people if you want to right and the fun news is for anyone who's hearing this and thinking, oh, that's so overwhelming, 50 podcasts, 
I can do it in less than 30 minutes a week. So I really only spend two hours a month on it. Wow. Okay. That is impressive. That's a whole other conversation. But yes, don't get intimidated by the idea that this is hard or it takes a long time. It's literally just knowing how and having a solid strategy that you can lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat. We are busy business owners. I'm a publicist. I love doing this stuff all day, every day. You're a business owner. You're doing it for a purpose. So if you can come up with one strategy that you could just do over and over again, why spin around with 20 different things that you could be doing? Yeah. So let's say, because that math is pretty powerful. So let's say someone's listening and they've tried visibility before and they, they were, they're a bit jaded, right? It hasn't gone well. Maybe they were taught really bad pitching habits. Maybe some agency did some horrible pitching for them, whatever the story. Or someone's brand new and like really just feeling the fear. What would be the platform? Like, where would you send them first? Like, is it a podcast? Is it pitch media? What's the easiest starting point? I really value not having a cookie cutter answer for that because there are two things that I need to understand about a person before I can make any sort of recommendation to them. Number one, what is your business goal? What is the objective? For some people, they're in a stage of, I want to enroll more clients. I have a ton of fitness trainers who come to me and they're like, I want to be in like oxygen and muscle and fitness. And they're attracting women who want to go to the gym for the first time. And like, they're not reading those magazines. So that's going to matter. What are your goals in your business? Whereas if someone comes to me and they say, you know, I've been doing courses by Jay Shenny and Tony Robbins, and I want them to know who I am. That's a whole different strategy. So what are your business goals? The second thing I need to understand about a person is what is your personality and how do you shine? I am an only child. I love attention. So you can throw me on stage in front of 3,000 people and I will jump on stage and be like, hey, everyone, drop your phones. Let's all pay attention to me now. It's the Lisa show. That is probably terrifying for some people. So maybe some people are better writers and they would feel more comfortable writing an article behind the scenes that they can edit, send to people for feedback, and then it publish on. Maybe some people are more comfortable having a conversation like this. Maybe they do better on radio, clubhouse, something like that. So it really comes down to what are the goals for your business and what is your personality? And with those two pieces of information, that's what I can start saying, okay, you would be better on TV. You might be better for podcasts. One thing that maybe can help them drill it down for people into kind of like thinking about how to start zoning this for themselves is I like to recommend to my clients it's worthwhile to have a healthy media mix. And what I mean by that is people like to consume content either by watching it, listening to it, or reading it. So try and have at least one of each. So no matter how your preferred ideal client likes to consume information, you're showing up that way. And a story that I love to tell about that is my husband and I love to cook together. And a recipe that we've been doing, if we've done it maybe five or six times now, is this delicious Thai red curry that I found on YouTube. We haven't done it enough that I know it. So every time we make it, I watch, pause, watch, pause, watch, pause. He's going to go psycho if he hears this lady's voice again. He's like, is there not a blog post on this? So we're both going to the same result, but we have different ways of getting there. And your ideal client is the same way. So even as a general guideline, if you can be on one written platform, one visual platform and one audio platform, you at least have your bases covered. Okay, that makes sense. So that's a lot of options. But I do know that you have like a little potential cheat code that we can use to find where you would suggest that we start. I do, 100%. So if it sounds overwhelming, like, oh, well, I could be on articles or I could be on podcasts or Facebook Lives or television. I don't know where to start. The good news is that I have a quiz. And in that quiz, it's called, how should I get visibility as an online coach? I'm going to do the two things that we just talked about. Understand a little bit more about your business goals and then also understand a little bit more about your personality. 
based on the information you give me on the quiz, I'm going to share with you one of five ways to start getting visibility now. And not only will I say, hey, you should do podcasts or you should consider like guest training and masterminds at small group settings. I'm going to send you a video to help you get started on doing that. So you can take that. How should I get seen as an online coach quiz? I know you've got the links in the show notes. Yep. Uh, that's available at lisasimonerichards.com slash quiz. And it's a super fun, super quick one. I did it. Apparently, I should be pitching digital media, which we all knew and which I'm not doing at all. You'll be so, so clickable. People will get to you. So Google, <laughs> you're already Googleable, obviously, but... I'll have to get like my pitching bravery on. So to finish up, I always ask uh, a couple of questions to all of my guests. First up, what is your number one lifestyle boundary for your business? Ooh, this is the one I've implemented for Q2. No one can touch me on Fridays. Fridays are always either a CEO day where I get to be in my business uninterrupted, or I can take a vacation day and call it a long weekend. I actually just saw that one of my links hadn't been set up in a client book to call for it. And I was like, uh-uh, pick another day. Yeah, I have a hard no calls on Mondays or Fridays. I will join like a networking call or I'll do like a coffee chat on a Monday. But Friday is just, I'm the same. Okay, finally, what is the worst piece of cookie cutter advice you've been given as an entrepreneur? Gosh, there's so much to sift through. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> How much of, there, of that is there out there? Just start a YouTube channel, start a podcast. How many people come to me and they're like, Lisa, I want to start a podcast, which is fantastic. It's powerful. I'm starting a podcast. But if you have no audience, no following, nothing going on right now, now, instead of selling your service and trying to get those first clients in the door, you're thinking about what art should I use? Who should I hire as an editor? What episode should I do? How do I work Libsyn and get in onto all these platforms when you should really be focusing on client attraction right now? And then I see people doing this, like starting Facebook. Like again, I have a Facebook group. I am on Instagram. I'm not poo-pooing having these platforms, but you got to do the right things in the right order. So if you think just launching a YouTube channel out of the blue with no one behind you is going to be the thing, it happens once in a blue moon, but it probably isn't. So again, I always love to preach, leverage other people's platforms, then create your own somewhere down the line. Yes, I think even podcasts, most people just get stuck for months on end with what the name is. 100%. And how many podcasts, I can't remember what the stat is. I think uh, the majority of podcasts die after episode nine. Yeah, Podfade is like episode Podfade. four or five, usually. And then YouTube, you've got to add hair, makeup, lighting. Oh, it's even, it's even more, it's even more in involved. I agree. Oh, well, thank you. This has been such a great conversation. I think walking through how to actually do a pitch will be so helpful. If anyone is listening and has been thinking about pitching me, please use this format. No other formats will be accepted going forwards. What is the best place for people to carry on the conversation with you on social? Where's your favorite? Okay, I'm going to maybe break a little rule here, Diane, because we talked about this. I am happy to share on social, but can I also share a cheat code on the pitch thing? Sure. And I'm going to break my own rule, too, because my rule is always to do one clear call to action, don't do two. But if you like the pitch format, I do have a pitch template at www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com. So it'll break down the way I write my pitches and it'll have a fill in the blank for you. So I only bring that up because you mentioned it and I was hoping it can be in service to your listeners. So take the quiz, download the template, whichever lands with you. But if you do want to find me on social, I hang out on Instagram at Lisa Simone Richards. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for the template, which will also be in service of me and all the pictures I'm likely to receive.
Thank you. I'm glad it was okay to share that. I don't want to be a rule breaker. I like to respect (laughs) rules, Diane. I will allow it this time as the one exception because you've given so much value. (laughs) Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.